Welcome everyone to this edition of Human Wisdom Live. And today we're going to be exploring the subject of relationships. How can we make unhappy relationships happier? And to just give you some context, in the Western world, divorce rates are around 50%. And for people who start living together in the first year, 70% of those relationships uh, break up. Of course, we're talking about all kinds of relationships here, including with siblings and children and parents and so on. And my guest speaker today is Sakshi Singler, who from New Delhi. She's a therapist and works a lot with relationships and children and parents. And she's also a human wisdom coach. So Sakshi, very welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Manoj. Very happy to be here. Good. So uh, we're going to spend about 30 minutes, Sakshi and I, exploring two questions, and then we're going to open it up to everyone for your comments and questions. So please keep them till, um, till that time. So two questions we're going to explore. One is, what makes us unhappy in our relationships? And how can we use our wisdom to turn unhappy relationships around? So Sakshi, maybe we'll start with the first question. Um, what do you think makes our makes us unhappy in relationships? Do you want to start ball rolling with that? Uh, one of the biggest problems um, I feel come from the fact that um, we forget that when we are in a relationship with somebody, there's act there are actually three relationships going on at the same time. For example, my relationship with myself, my partner's relationship with himself or herself. Yes. And then there is another relationship, which is between uh, both of us. Yes. Now, if any of these relationships uh, are struggling, mm. the third, which is the relationship between me and you or him or her or whoever is, is going to be stressed and will be struggling too, um, which goes out, out to actually tell us that if we are able to work on ourselves, mm. then and our partner does that as well, mm. we would have a better chance of surviving the, the third relationship, um, which sometimes we forget. So a lot of other things come in. Um, in fact, uh, we forget that all the time, don't we? I remember a story from one of our um, people we met on the training program. She is a lady who left her husband because she'd been unhappy in the marriage, she said, for a long time. And then in the year that she was separated from him, she realized she was unhappy with herself. And when she did her own work and became happier with herself, she realized he was fine. It was her. And then they got back together, remarried, and they've been, you know, she said they've been really happy ever since. So your point's very well taken. Um, oh, hang on. So, um, okay. So, hang on, we got someone else. So our relationship with ourselves, if we're not happy with ourselves, that can be a big cause of conflict. I think criticism is also such a common cause of unhappiness. Because unconsciously, whenever we meet anything that's different, we're constantly critical. Why are you doing this this way? Or why is, and so on. Can you think of an example of that and how that impacts, especially with children, perhaps? Um, all the time. What's happening in a relationship is that we are coming with our own values, our own priorities, and we very often are unable to see the backstories of our partners. We expect them to 
be how we are, maybe parent children the same way. And we are very impatient uh, with our partners in those times because we feel that we are right. Yes. And because we are right, um, it's natural for us to criticize the other person's way of doing things. Problem comes uh, when the criticism comes from the other side as well, there is a huge conflict. And yeah. if it's only coming from one place, it would mean that there's one person who's suppressing his or her natural self, authentic self, to actually come to the relationship and become who you want him or her to become. Yes. And it becomes more and more complicated. If I say to you, Sakshi, I don't like your apples, your first response is not to say, oh, okay, let me look at that. You'll say, I don't like your oranges. And that's it. That's the whole, uh, you know, and there's no communication. It's all lost. So we have a habit of being unconsciously, automatically critical whenever we meet anyone who's different, especially with children. And we think we're doing them a favor, but actually we're just increasing the gap between us um, and they can, especially if they're teenagers, they can re rebel and you can lose that relationship if you like forever. So I think just waking up to that could make a, a big difference. Now, the other thing that is also very apparent is in a relationship, there's a power play going on, isn't there sometimes? And I want to change you to be more like me and you want me to change to be like you, but it's unconscious. How does that play out? The, the same problem. The problem comes again from the place where you are not maybe sure of who you are. Uh, and instead of actually looking in consciously and being wise with maybe the things that you need to learn, you project it on your partner. And when you project it on your partner, um, it, it goes all haywire because he or she is coming with that same idea of putting his own understanding in projection in with you as well. Okay. I mean, I can think, for example, if I'm vegetarian and I start trying to convince you to become vegetarian, the first thing that react, you know, you react by just, you know, being resistant. And I keep telling you all the reasons why, and that you get more and more irritated because underneath that, I'm trying to change you to be more like me. What about our emotional needs? Because quite often we're not even aware of our own emotional needs, which we expect other people to meet. And when they're not met, that can be a huge cause of conflict. So I'm unhappy. And of course, I automatically blame you for my unhappiness. Basically not communicating hmm. with each other about what our needs are is one of the biggest problems. So when we get into a relationship, we make this we have this very unrealistic expectation from the other person uh, that the person's understanding what we are saying. We are not putting our needs out there. We're not communicating them, but we are expecting the person to know it automatically because the person either married to us or is our child or, or is our mother or whoever it is again in the relationship. And what do we do? Our expectation is the problem. Maybe the other person doesn't even know our expectation or our need is there to be liked, to be maybe hugged uh, a little bit more often. Uh, maybe the love language that I have is of, of a physical um, connection, but my partner's love language is different. 
but I am just going into the relationship with this idea that he or she should understand what my needs are. Or and should be like you. So if you're, if you feel loved when someone buys you things, you know, you expect the other person to feel loved when you buy them things, but they might feel loved when you cook them something or whatever it might be. So we all have these un unconscious emotional needs to be loved, listened to, understood, but not the same need to listen to others or to understand others or love others. And it's that discrepancy sometimes that can create this unhappiness that we feel. And of course, when we are unhappy, we react by blaming the other person for our unhappiness, not realizing that our emotional needs come from ourselves. And if I'm hurt, my first reaction is I'm going to withdraw my affection and retaliate in some way. And then, of course, that downward spiral begins really quickly, doesn't it? I'm not being emotionally available for our partner because we are still working out our own unresolved issues. And if we are not available emotionally for them, they, are, they, they don't even know what's happening inside us very often. But do we realize that, Sakshi? Do we realize that we're working through our own issues? Or do we just blame the other person? We don't even see that in ourselves, do we? Very often we don't. Because I think everybody is, I mean, every human has a need to feel seen, heard, listened to, valued. Hmm. Uh, but at the same time, we are not consciously giving that to the to our partner as well. Yes. So if I'm in a relationship with you, I'm expecting you to meet my needs. You're expecting to meet your needs. It's a barter, but we call it love. You know. And if if at any time those needs are not met, suddenly I'll say, I'm unhappy, I don't love you anymore, I blame you, and so on. So these are the dynamics, some of the dynamics that go on. And of course, the unmet expectations as you said. Okay. Um, I suppose one last thing about why we're unhappy is when we compare our children with other children or our partners with other partners and so on. That can, we can feel we haven't got a good deal perhaps sometimes. That's, that's a really big one again, because um, we do that unconsciously so often that we don't even realize that's coming in our relationship. Hmm. And the, I mean, ask any counselor, anybody who works with people, um, would, they would tell you what looks from the outside is very often not what it is from the inside. So when we are doing the comparison, what we are doing is we're making the comparison with somebody's drawing room and our laundry room or our backyard. We are unable to get that going in our head because we don't have enough wisdom to realize that this is not a fair comparison. No, no. But just the act of comparing. I mean, if you've committed yourself to one relationship and you're unhappy, rather than deal with the root cause of that and understand it and resolve it, it's so easy to say, well, so-and-so is happier, better in some way. And, you know, that's how this whole cycle of moving from one relationship to the other. And of course, the lessons aren't learned. So the same challenges occur again and again in different relationships. Okay. All right. So we've explored some of the reasons why 
we're unhappy, and most of them are unconscious. So what can we do? How can we use our wisdom to turn an unhappy relationship around? So I've got an unhappy relationship with my son or with my friend or wife or my parents or colleague at work. What can I do to turn it around? Yeah, the biggest one I feel is uh, committing to make the uncomfortable conversations. Right. There are things that bother us. That's why we've got a problem in our relationships. So either we would go get into a conflict where there is um, a lot of anger, a lot of um, not so good words coming out of our mouth, or in the other scenario, there's one person who is not actually giving in too much. In both these instances, what we are doing is that we are not um, making the conversations that are required to be made to make the relationship open enough to grow. Yes. Okay. I think that is the biggest, biggest problem. So let's explore that. So I'm unhappy with you and either I'm lashing out at you and criticizing you all the time, or I'm not saying anything and giving you the silent treatment. Either way, the relationship is heading downhill. So what you're saying is at some point we need to sit down and say, look, I have a problem. Can we talk about it? And part of that, what tips can we give people when they want to have those difficult conversations with each other? One of the most important things that needs to be done is not to get defensive hmm. and to take responsibility. For example, uh, instead of saying, um, we've had a fight, no, I never said that. Saying, I said that, but it didn't come out well. Hmm. Um, are you kidding me? You are, you're crazy. How can, how can you ever think something like that to, I don't agree with what you're saying. I have a point of view here. Can I put it forward? It's that gently first listening deeply and then gently putting your point through and keeping the communication open yes. makes all the difference and not being defensive, but taking the responsibility that, I have a role to play in the discord as well. It's not just you. So I guess the first thing is I've got to have an intention of wanting to heal this thing. If I don't have that intention, then there's no point. Secondly, to listen deeply. I've got to be able to listen and address why you're unhappy. So suppose you're unhappy because uh, I'm not cleaning the kitchen enough, whatever it might be. I've got to be able to listen to that without being defensive as you said, and then take ownership of how I'm feeling. So I, I could say, I'm feeling bad, I'm not blaming you for it, but I'm just sharing how I'm feeling. And that maybe allows that uh, conversation to deepen. These are difficult conversations, actually, but they're so important to bring that healing into place, right? Because without that, friends just drift apart, don't they? The slightest sign of disappointment or hurt and People stop talking to each other for years <laughs> inside families and friends and, you know, all of that, right? So often we've seen that. Uh, very sad. Okay. And perhaps the tone of the voice is key here, isn't it, in all these conversations? 
tone conveys everything. I think also learning how to communicate. Mm. And we only do that learning in our corporate jobs or um, back in the office, because if we speak in this tone with our boss or our subordinate, there's no work that gets done. But when it comes to our relationships, we just take them for granted. We will, we don't, we can't rein our emotions. We are unable to get them in a place where it comes out in a way that it does not uh, give either ultimatums to our partner or um, blames. So we bring in blame, shame, ultimatums a lot of times. And even if we are not doing it um, in words, a tone says that so yes. many times. We're unconscious of our tone. So you brought in two points that I'd like to raise. One is that we treat our closest family and partners worse than we treat our friends. Perhaps it's because we have many more expectations of them. And so the longer the list of our expectations, of course, the easier it is we're gonna be disappointed with everybody. So if you're a person who has unhappy relationships with everybody, perhaps we need to look at, just, you need to look at yourself and say, what's common among all these unhappy relationships is me, <laughs> you know, am I listening and so on. But also, as you said, we take each other for granted, don't we? We're not grateful. What can we do about that? Well, only if we could be grateful. So I, I don't know what you do, but um, in my relationship with my partner, it's, and it's a 27-year-old partnership, we've um, woken up every day, almost every day, and thanked our partners for whatever we thought they brought into the relationship. Mm. So it's not we are faking it, but it's something which is bringing... Uh, what's good into the relationship first thing in the morning. Mm. Start the day with gratitude mm. and it does go better. And it could, and there's so many things that we are grateful for, but again, we take them for granted. So we are always looking at things that we don't have. Yes. And that's just state of the human mind is like that, right? Because we just tend to, it tends to focus on what it doesn't have because it needs that new stimulation out there to make it feel good in here. The old doesn't bring the same stimulation, you know? So we, we, we just take it for granted. If we could just zoom out and say, in the middle of an argument, hey, what, am I, what have I really got to be grateful for here? You'll realize in the context of things, it doesn't matter which pizza you order or what color that wall is gonna be painted or, Whatever it is you're arguing about doesn't matter in the context of a wider loving relationship. Right? What about flexibility, Sakshi? How important is that? Very important again. Um, but for that, we have to go back and in, into ourselves and see how, um, how we are growing as people. Because if we are not doing that, we are going to be stuck. And if we are stuck, we are going to be stuck in all places of our lives. If we are not growing, and, and God forbid, our partner is not growing, there is there's going to be... The so is uh, that will come is, is divorce. If there's one person who is flexible and who's bending backwards, flexibility sometimes... Um, with the women that I work with, I see uh, too much. So that's also a balance that needs to be maintained. 
if there's one person being flexible all the time, the person's also being taken for granted. So it does play a big role. But again, like they say that uh, there's just one person needed to leave the relationship, but there are two needed to work at it. Yes. So I think perhaps in all relationships, whether it's with our little children or our parents or friends or our partners or husbands, wives, we've got to appreciate that we've got to be able to give in. Right? And if we can't and we are inflexible, then that relationship is doomed. Now, you could make it survive on the outside. Everyone thinks you're still married or whatever. But inside, the love has gone from it, hasn't it? The, the sweetness has, has gone. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so often now with my closest friends and my, my sons, often they'll say something and I'll just agree and be flexible and say, yeah, that's fine. You're right. <laughs> you know, I made a mistake or whatever it is. Because if you can't be flexible, you really can't have a relationship, can you? Then it's just a dictatorship. You know? um, okay. What about differences of opinion? Okay. Because invariably, sometimes uh, the conflict is because we have different opinions. Or we can't seem to agree. How can we resolve that situation? Only if we can go back into the relationship and see what is the fun that differences, difference in opinions is bringing to our relationship. Mm -hmm. We do not, if we can't, um, if, if we are not different and we don't have different, different opinions, we also are not really living. We are, we are just existing. We've got somebody who's, you know, sitting next to us with um, exactly the same um, opinions like us that's not a place of growth again and again if we are not growing we got we are going to stagnate our relationship somewhere so instead of looking at them as um something that needs to be opposed all the time um but that's a tricky one because somebody will have to kind of agree on one thing so for example if it's parenting of a child and it's it's a it's a couple there is a huge um, difference that I see in, in the parents that come to me and a difference in opinion on the mothers have, for example, learned calm parenting for me, but the fathers come to the uh, relationship and say, oh, but we turned out okay. You know, we were beaten, we were yelled at and look, we've turned out okay. And I've seen that difference of opinion uh, coming so many times uh, that what, what do you do with something like that? Yes. I think two things. One is to realize that all our opinions come from our particular conditioning, which we are not aware of. So in your case, the man might have been beaten, but that's his opinion because it's his conditioning. conditioning. You see? So we're all attached to our conditioning without being aware. Either we're conditioned or our attachment. That's one thing. But I think the second thing is that if we meet someone who's different, can our mind respond with curiosity? Why are we different? Oh, let's celebrate that. I'm curious why we think differently about this. And what can we learn about this from about each other? Instead, right now, it's because I'm so attached to my point of view, I want you to agree with me. I want to convince you. And of course, that a little war breaks out. And all these little wars go on to 
destroy the relationship, you know, and we end up with no friends and no wonder, you know, we're so lonely in life because we don't have these close, intimate relationships with friends and people around us. Um, what about um, kindness? Now, we we take that for granted, don't we? We think other people need to be kind to us. We never think about how kindness and acceptance can help heal even the most difficult relationship. Again, if this is something that we could just very simply understand from one place, that more we are in conflict and less kind we are, the more um, stress hormones are going through our body. So if we are not kind to our children, um, children have spilled the milk, they've written all over the wall. Um, it brings us to our own trigger, and we'll, I think, get to triggers later, uh, that we forget that what we could achieve through kindness mm. is not uh, something that we can achieve through conflict, through yelling, but through being at each other's throat. Um, and why are we, uh, why is it easier to do it with our children? Uh, because we feel we are responsible for that. So if we are not kind, then they will not become kind people. But what we forget sometimes is that they're also seeing how kind or not so kind we are to our family members, to our partners, yes. and they, they are learning that as well. So if you could, again, consciousness, I guess, the wisdom is to be able to see that just before we are, uh, something unkind is coming out of our mouth. You see, what I think is that the mind is constantly preoccupied with itself most of the time. And then if we are stressed at all or unhappy in any way, it's even more preoccupied with itself, leaving no space to even think about the other person, let alone be kind to them. If we become aware of that in our own thinking and realize how that's going to impact the relationship, then we can consciously do something about it. Make some tea for the other person or whatever small act of kindness. I remember one uh, friend of mine used to put little sticky notes for his wife over the, you know, on the bathroom mirror, little messages that she'd find. Um, or he'd plant something with her name on in the garden, you know, and so on. So small acts of kindness cost nothing, but the impact goes a very long way, doesn't it? Okay, so we were talking about triggers, Sakshi. Let's talk about triggers and how do we respond to triggers? Because we're all going to be triggered and react in situations. We get triggered by things that were difficult for us in the past. So triggers very often are places which where uh, we've not got our needs met or uh, goes back to a past instance. Very often they go back to our childhood. Hmm. And wherever we are going to be triggered, we are going to be unkind, we are going to be in a conflict. To be able to understand what's happening to us when we are in a trigger. So a lot of times I think emotional uh, intelligence or wisdom, wisdom actually teaches you that, that you don't get onto the emotional freight train. There's a split second time that you have before you get onto that emotional freight train. If you can catch yourself mm -hmm. and you realize that this is coming from a trigger, 
from my old unresolved issue, my past, um, my parents, or whatever other relationship I've been with, I'll be able to stop myself and not be unkind at that time. Yes. I think the power of a trigger is so much. It's like a little explosion's gone off. I call it like stepping on a landmine. Before you know it, you've lost a leg, you know. Um, so two strategies, I think, work really well. One is if you can practice your breathing exercises. So at that moment, it allows you to breathe in and create, as you said, that millisecond gap. And you could just say, I think I'm having a reaction. Can we talk about this later? Or if someone's having a reaction and I'm in a conversation with them, I'll say, I think there's a, you're having a reaction. Let's talk about it later. Because in that moment of reaction, the mind loses all capacity for rational thinking. Absolutely. I guess what we call uh, in the psychological language uh, is an amygdala hijack. So our emotional center of our brain, because of a trigger, has gone into an hijack. And when we are uh, in that overdrive, hmm. yes, our prefrontal cortex, our rational part of the brain shuts. Yes. And when it shuts, what comes out uh, gets difficult. But the, the beauty of this is that because these are our own triggers, we also know them well. The moment we get into that self-awareness place, we know that this is a pattern that we've lived with forever. Yes, but in that trigger, what happens is, I think you're responsible for triggering me. I yes. think you should know better than to step on this landmine land in my thinking. <laughs> you know, it's so unreasonable, but it's how the mind thinks, right? We always project outside our responsibility for what we really should be taking on the inside. You know, this trigger comes from me. I need to understand, figure. And it's, again, this journey of self-awareness. Okay, two more things to talk about before we open it up. One is to, um, we look to the other person for validation, don't we? The mind is always looking to the outside to get validated and feel good on the inside. How does that impact relationships? One of the biggest problems, but again, where, the, where does it come from? We are looking for validation when we are not sure of ourselves, when we don't know who we are when we don't know what is it that we bring to the relationship, for example. Um, we've had um, five people or, or people in our office who've told us that we are not, maybe we're not a good speaker or there's something that we don't do well. Uh, instead of actually going back and doing the work and okay, you know, that I might have a little bit of a problem. Let me just practice my uh, skills. I quickly go into my relationship and project it there. Mm. Ah. And I'm expecting the other person to validate my need uh, to be right. Yes, yeah. So once we see that, because if I'm expecting you to make me feel good by praising me and you know how men particularly have very fragile egos, so we constantly need someone to butter us up whether it's at work or, you know, at home or with partners or whatever. And if that's not forthcoming, then again, I can start blaming you for how I'm feeling. So not realizing it's unconscious, this need. 
And lastly, you know, when we spoke last time, you talked about patterns of conflict and dysfunction in relationships and how they can be first to spot them and then how do we break them? What can we, can you share something on that with everyone? If you are able to recognize our patterns, and I think a lot of people can, the ones who are doing the self-work, um, consciously going and breaking them is, is more difficult. Hmm. Because we also do, we, we get attached to that pattern. It gives us that place where we, we can get defensive. And anytime we are unable to break that pattern means that we can tolerate the life that we are living. So if I'm okay with my relationship uh, with my child, which is not great, or with my partner, which is not great, um, till the time I'm okay tolerating it, I, it'll be very, very dif difficult for me to one, see the pattern or then break it. Mm. The, the day I uh, tell myself that um, I need things changing, I will be able to go back and see, okay, this is not working because of this pattern. But we, were, we also come from um, a place where we've always been told, work hard, um, do um, something 10 times, you would learn it, or you do it 100 times, you would, it would be on your tips. Now, we, what we forget in that is that if we are not going to change our ways, the result is going to be the same. And that is exactly how patterns work. Yes. I mean, it's amazing how often these patterns will repeat and how often we'll go through exactly the same argument, the same motion, and nobody has the wisdom to be able to step back and say, hey, this happened last month or the month before. What can we do here to break this pattern? And as you say, the only person you have control over is yourself. And if you can live with this wisdom, you can break that pattern. Okay. Sakshi, thank you. So before I open it up, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to show people around the resources that are available inside the Human Wisdom app. And then uh, Bernard will come to your question uh, straight after that. So um, this is the um, Human Wisdom app. It's on the Google and Apple store. I'm just going to show you around the resources available for uh, relationships in particular. So the first section is just introducing you to the idea of relationship. And there's a beautiful video in how wisdom can help explaining in about one and a half minute how wisdom can impact relationships. And as Sakshi was saying, this skill of having a calm mind helps you to create that little bit of space. So this wisdom exercises include a breathing exercise and a journaling and a quotation of the day and so on which can help you just to build up those skills you need. There's a section called Personalized for You, and one of them is how to have fulfilling relationships. So all our content on relationships is in one place. So it begins with a 10-minute video on dealing with conflict, more detailed modules to explore on relationships, emotional needs, communication, love, life stories, uh, guided questions, which is like a little coach in your pocket, short videos, and podcasts and global events. This event will also uh, come in here. And then there are a number of guided meditations, including how to be kind in relationships or don't take people for granted, and, um, and so on. So I'm going to leave you to explore that. 
at your leisure. One of the key things in the Human Wisdom app and project is about understanding and exploring your own conditioning. See, yes. the mind is not aware it's conditioned. And if we are to have a relationship, any two people who are different, because that difference was going to create conflict unless you're aware where that difference comes from. Actually, what about conditioning? Do you want to comment on that? Because it's such a powerful role, plays a powerful role in all the conflict in relationships, right? Yes, I mean, I, I know what you are, uh, where you started, Bernard, because um, we, this is, again, something which is coming from that unconscious place. We've been parented, we've been, uh, we've been living in different cultures and a lot of issues today, which maybe we call them patriarchy and a lot of other problems are coming from um, a place where we, we do not realize is bringing that conditioning up to us. With this conditioning, we will not be able to move forward. So we will keep going back to the same patterns because that's what we've seen. So yes, like what you said, what is normalized? For example, if, if um, uh, what is normalized in my home when I was growing up with my parents was uh, disrespect between the partners, for me, um, that is going to come very, very easily into my own relationship. But my partner could be not coming with that uh, conditioning himself. If he's not coming with that conditioning, there will be a conflict, but there will also be a place where I would be able to learn that this is happening because of my conditioning. Because when I come and live in a, in a different household where respect um, is, is what how the world moves around, I also get a chance to change. But it, I won't be able to do it till I'm unable to see that conditioning. But the problem is that we are only able to pick up our conditioning at places where there is a conflict and we see something else that is different um, in another home or another relationship that we've gone, gone to. And that is where I guess our app comes uh, yes. in uh, to help as well, because when we listen to what the stories of conditioning talk about, we are able to pick it up and say, oh, oh okay, so we are, this is coming from our conditioning as well. The, 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 I suppose the question for me that came to mind as you were talking was, um, what's the purpose of the relationship? Mm. Is it, is the relationship so that you can provide me something or am I here to provide you something? And I know there's a transaction, a transactional nature within that. Um, but I think um, if all I'm expecting from you is for you to meet the needs that I have, then that automatically creates a problem because number one, you won't necessarily know what needs I have. Number two, I won't necessarily know what needs I have. And then that creates the lack of communication. One of the biggest things um, in our relationship with our, parents, with our children uh, is that that is not a relationship which is reciprocal. So between two partners, between two sisters, between two friends, it's a reciprocal relationship. So if I, I am down today, 
So you back me up. You're back down tomorrow. I'm standing right there for you. I lean into you, you lean into me. But a parent-child relationship is not a reciprocal relationship. What you're expecting from him is validation. Your, um, he's a teenager, right? Yes. Yeah. So what he's doing is he is trying to be uh, his own person. This is a time when, this is a time of identity uh, building for him. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's not that he is not um, wanting to communicate with you. He needs to detach from you to be his own person right now. Um, I believe it all starts with us. So the first question I'm going to ask myself is, what's, what's this all about to you? What, what is this unhappiness about to you? Where, where is this coming from? Um, because our first inclination, I think, is to go, what are they doing wrong? What are they doing towards me? What are they doing that's making me unhappy? Instead, maybe flip that and start with yourself. You know, what about this makes me unhappy? What might that be all about? What part of me is offended, disrespected, wounded, unhappy? You know, and in order to flesh that out for oneself, I think it becomes much more clear what is going on with that relationship with them. And then I'm able to communicate it if I so choose yeah. and, and have a conversation about it. You've said something really profound, Jambi, which is when we're unhappy, our first instinct is how can the other person change? Mm. And what you're saying instead is to ask, what's going on in me that's making me unhappy? How can I change? And so the conflict turns from being some a problem to an, a journey of learning about yourself. And in that journey of learning, the problem just kind of disappears on its own, perhaps, that there's a fine line between self-exploration and beating yourself up. Um, I think, Ruchika, if you look through the Human Wisdom app, the introduction is free, by the way, go ahead. In the key ideas, the first idea is when you're looking at yourself, there's no good or bad, right or wrong. The deeper layers of your thinking are the same in you and in every other human being. And on this journey of learning about ourselves, we're just learning. And then we just park that right, wrong, good, bad to one side and keep learning. And as you learn, your life changes. That's a very, very simple um, message. Maybe one thing we haven't talked about, but we've talked about it in a different way is the word love. You know, we took the key question we're asking is how can we make unhappy relationships happier? And perhaps the thing that heals is love. And if we could just ask ourselves, what does this person need? What is the loving thing to do? And the moment you find out what it is the other person needs, and you, you want to make that relationship work, then you begin and there's your answer. And I've seen the most challenging relationships turn around just because someone invested that kindness, care, compassion, understanding, which is, which I suppose is love. Um, okay. And that 
also brings us to repair. Manoj, we didn't get around speaking about that. Mm. Um, Go ahead. We always have conflicts because we are different. We are different and we are going to bring in different things to the relationship and we are going to be in conflicts and we are going to lose our marbles. We are going to get angry. We are going to say things which are disrespectful. How quickly we can come back and rebound from that and how conscious we are to bring that repair in, I think is, is the key point here. So in, we, we call something which is called the golden um, ratio of relationships which is one is to five or one is to three. We've, we've uh, messed up. If we are ready to repair it quickly in, uh, and repair it with maybe three positive interactions, we would have not made it into something which is a baggage, which is going to come up next time we fight. Right. Or right. otherwise, these baggages will all get together and there will be a time where there is no possibility of a conflict resolution. That's a very interesting idea that you need many more points of kindness, if you like, to recover or to compensate for one act of unkindness. The Human Wisdom app has a number of resources for those who are interested in going deeper and exploring this for themselves, armed with this wisdom there's a much greater chance that we can all have happier, meaningful and fulfilling relationships. Because without the depth in that relationship, you're going to feel lonely. 30% of people in marriages feel lonely. It's not just about conflict, but it's moving beyond conflict to having a relationship, real depth, love, meaning, fulfillment. Um, so, Thank you, everyone, uh, for coming, and I'll uh, be sure to send you a recording. Sakshi, thank you so much for your thank wisdom you. today, and everyone, all my guests, thank you. This podcast comes to you from the Human Wisdom Project. To find out more about any of the points we've discussed today, please download the Human Wisdom app or visit humanwisdom.me. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.